It's Rebecca Maida here, Zelina, the Wicked Witch of the West, and you are listening to Once Upon a Fan podcast. Enjoy, because it's wicked! Yo-ho, yo-ho, a pirate's run for me. Yo-ho, yo-ho, a pirate's run for me. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Once Upon a Fan podcast. I am your host, Henry's Ice Pack, and I am joined by my co-host... Messing with Victoria Belfry is my hobby. That's a super long name today, friend. And this is our review of A Pirate's Life. So yeah, welcome to the show. We're going to begin with our upcoming episode titles. I've got the first half, and... That super long name that Ashley picked will have the second half. So next week's episode is called The Garden of Forking Paths, written by David H. Goodman and Brigitte Hales. Or is it Bridget? I don't think we actually know, but it's spelled like Brigitte, so I'm going to say it that way because it's fancier and, you know, whatever until until I know otherwise. Um, apologies if that is not how you say your name, though. Totally sorry about that. I just, I don't know. Let me see. After that, we've got the fourth episode of the season, which is Beauty, written by Dana Horgan and Leah Fong, directed by Mick Garris, and that is the episode where Emily DeRobin will be returning as Belle. Um, we've got some other news about that episode as well coming up in our next news segment here. Then the fifth episode of the season is called Greenbacks, written by Christopher Hollier and Adam Karp, followed by Wake Up Call, which was written by Jerome Schwartz and Jane Espenson. Ashley has the next four titles. Take it away. Okay, let's see. We are on episode seven here. Uh, it's Eloise Gardner, written by David H. Goodman, and I'm going to go with Brigitte as well, Brigitte Hales. Uh, episode eight is Pretty in Blue, written by Dana Horrigan and Leah Fong. Uh, episode nine, one... Did we decide if this was tear or tear? I'm going to go with tear. Okay, one Little Tear, written by Christopher Hollier and Adam Cart, and just announced this week is the title for episode 10, which is The Eighth Witch, written by Jane Espenson and Jerome Schwartz. Um, that sounds exciting. Yeah, I have no idea what that is about. I would assume that something related to Zelina, um, which would also possibly be my guess for the episode Greenbacks that I mentioned, but I'm not 100% sure. I am also very interested in the fact that there is an episode called Wake Up Call when we have so many cursed things going on. Um, and yeah, we, there, I can't say things because there are things that are just going to come up in our, in our next um, news segment after we, we discuss this announcement that we have that's a little bit more personal, uh, hits a little bit closer to home literally for us oncers, um, especially for some of us who know this person so um ashley has a quick little note about something that we're going to be um putting on social media okay so recently um there have been a lot of wildfires in sonoma county and wine uh, country and it hit the residents really hard and this hits us personally because our friend ami khan you may know her as regina from once upon a time the rock opera um, she's been a longtime friend of the podcast and that has affected her family and their livelihood and the livelihood of a lot of people that she knows in Sonoma and just basically their entire, I almost want to say culture out there because there are vineyards and homes and businesses and everything that have just been completely decimated and there hasn't been a lot of relief sent their way. 
So Ami has started a fund on youcare.com, and we are going to uh, tweet out that complete link from the official Once Upon a Fan podcast Twitter uh, and help share it. So you can click it on there um, to help give some relief to the victims of those wildfires, which, I mean, it's so hard to find out exactly what's going on because I was speaking to her the other day and there's no cell service. It's just impossible with the fires going on to find out what exactly is going on and what exactly the damage is. We just know that they need help. So we want to extend some help um, from one once or to another, you know, the once upon a time family here. If we could muster together and help out, that would be awesome. So yeah, we're going to tweet out that link um, via our official Twitter, which is O-U- or at O-U-A-F podcast. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. Indeed. I will make sure that we get that up on the Facebook page as well. So stay tuned to our social media pages to see how you can find out how you can maybe assist with some relief efforts for Sonoma County and our friend Ami. Shout out to Ami. We love you, babe. All right. And as hinted at during our last episode, we are going to be joined by some familiar voices on this week's podcast. Their names are already in the episode title, so you know who they are. So without further ado, here is our interview with the music makers and the dreamers of the dreams. Enjoy. So we are delighted to be joined today on the Once Upon a Fan podcast by the creators of the show, Adam Horowitz and Eddie Kitsis. Guys, thank you very much for your time today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So just a couple of questions for you guys. Just wanted to set the scene a little bit. So when I first read the news about the future of the show, I have to admit that I did have some skepticism myself because I wasn't sure how it was going to continue without the focus on the extended Charming family. But then when I watched the finale last season, I was totally drawn in by the scenes in the new realm. And then the end montage and the closing scene totally got me as well, 100%. And it felt like the world of once was suddenly opening up because it felt like it wasn't so beholden to its own mythology anymore because it's a new story. It's kind of establishing a new mythology. It's fresh, exciting. So I want to know if you guys can tell us about how you're approaching the story in terms of that new focus and the new mythology you're going to explore. Well, I think it's, it's a combination of things. For one... It's not that we're abandoning the old mythology. It all exists. It's all sort of the foundation upon which this is built. And it it informs everything that goes on going forward. But going forward, we now have opened a whole bunch of new doors with both of our returning characters and our new characters to have new stories and new adventures and new crises and, and, and all sorts of things happen to them that aren't beholden to all the mythology that came before. So it's kind of our way of hopefully having the best of both worlds. Yeah, you know, I think for us, um, it all started with Henry knocking on the door of Emma's apartment, and he took us to Storybrooke. And so for us, we always felt like we wanted to make sure that the original vision that we had ended the way we wanted it to, but we felt like we still had more fun to do, and why not, you know, follow Henry as an adult? Let's go to his next chapter of his life and a new book, like we all do. There's your high school version, there's your adult version. So, you know, um, for us, we just wanted to keep telling stories. We were still having fun, and and honestly, I think in today's world, we need these more than ever. Completely agree. And then also during the premiere, which just aired, which, again, got me, um, I took note of the more reduced presence of Ronnie and Weaver and... Officer Rogers, Detective Rogers, I almost want to call him Captain Rogers, it's hard, Um, because it felt like the focus really was on the new characters, and they were getting... Yeah, I 
I would say it, it was less a reduced presence. I mean, yes, they they were they were less present than some of the other characters, but that was a conscious decision to sort of hopefully introduce you to the world mm -hmm. and then hopefully have the audience ask, wait, where are our characters? So that they could each have their entrance and their moment and hopefully start to have the audience ask the questions, what's going on with Ronnie in this world? What's going on with Roger? What's going on with Weaver? So that man, when we get to episode two, three, and beyond, mm. we can really start to explore yeah, those characters. Yeah, you're going to see this week, um, it's very hook-centric. Mm -hmm. So um, episode four is all Rumple, and episode six is very Ronnie, and they're in every episode. But for us, we got one shot of introducing them with these new cursed personas, and mm -hmm. we just, you know, as writers, we, we thought having an entrance like that was more intriguing than just just making you and letting people understand you're in the new characters, here's the new paradigm. And what we, what we really wanted to do was drop the audience into a world and mm -hmm. say, look around and see all these different people and things and hopefully ask questions about it rather than try to stuff in all the information into an episode. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, rather than tell everyone what's going on with everyone and who everyone is, yeah, you see Tiana for a couple of scenes, you know, and hopefully you're asking questions. What's she doing? How are they friends? Why are they roommates? What was she doing at the ball? All that stuff, so that when we then see her in the next episode and beyond, you start to get more and more out of it. And, and that was the goal with it, and, and I think we were also applying that philosophy to our returning characters. Mm -hmm. I did ask all of those questions, by the way. And I think you guys did a really good job of, of doing a great balance between the old and new characters, because I felt like the new characters were getting a chance to shine on their own without having to worry about like the shadow of the characters who yeah. are still on the show, but they're still there and we know that they're coming because they're still there. Honestly, I got almost like a Force Awakens feel off of it because I was like, oh, it's like Han, Luke, and Leia are passing it oh, off to the new generation. That is, that is the highest compliment, highest compliment ever. And you know, as you know, that Star Wars is our favorite fairy tale. So uh, <laughs> you know, it, I think that, that Force Awakens in a lot of ways was kind of the idea for us in the sense that you wanted to take a, a new chapter of, of Once Upon a Time with characters you love, but go on a new journey with them. Mm -hmm. And that was our idea. Yeah, and I'm totally in for the new journey too. Um, th there were little Easter eggs that were hinted at what was going to come on the Season 7 poster of Seattle. And I was wondering if fans should be on the lookout for similar clues in the story to kind of figure uh, out what happened with that curse. Probably. Yeah, there were certainly Easter eggs planted on that poster, and there were certainly... There, were, there are clues sprinkled throughout the premiere <laughs> um, about where we're going and what we're doing. I mean, obviously we don't want to give away what those things are necessarily, but what we're really trying hard to do is lay the groundwork for a story to to encompass the whole season and for there to be some you know surprises like for example without giving anything away it was a conscious decision with this new curse to not show who cast it in mm -hmm. the premiere as opposed to what we've done in the past when there have been other curses where you know who's done it and why or whatever and we we want the audience to be asking what's going on with this curse what, what's it about and hopefully our answer is a little bit surprising and isn't what you necessarily expect. Well, that's perfect, Adam, because that leads me to my next set of questions for you. So I just want to confirm that from the season six finale, the scenes that we saw in the, in the New Realm, that happens after... Wait, no, that occurred before the New Curse was cast. Is that yes, right? that is correct. That's before the New Curse. Okay, so the New Realm scenes... How is okay, you can't answer these, but how is Lucy like aware of what's going on if she was like part of that? And did she, her arrival in Henry's life like jumpstart his awakening? Was he bringing flowers to the cemetery the whole time until she showed up, and then all of a sudden now it's a dirt pit? 
Can you say anything about that? I would that? say, um, you know, Lucy believes the way that Henry did. If we watched last year, she says, you know, this book is important. Who will believe? And he says, someone will. Well, that someone's mm -hmm. her. And so, like Henry, he had no proof when he went to Emma's door. He just felt it inside that it was real. And so, did that wake Henry up? Well, you know, I... As we know with cursed memories, when you would say, Mary Margaret, how long have you been teaching? She would just stop and go, feels like forever. So as far mm -hmm. as he knew, that was probably, you know. So Lucy, she's, she doesn't remember in Hyperion Heights, but she believes, which is. It's going on faith. It's, it's the parallel okay. to what Henry was like as a little boy. He didn't know for sure, but he believed. So we're going to get into the specifics of how they wound up there and the curse and all that stuff as the season progresses. Mm. But as far as things about like their cursed lives and was Henry going there and all that, I think the way to, to think about it is Lucy's the catalyst. So there was sort of a, a you know, a stasis to the curse, however it's operating. Mm -hmm. But once Lucy's belief started to bubble up to the surface and make her take action mm -hmm. and go to Henry, things start to change. Just like just when like, Emma came to town. Right, like when Emma came to town in, in the first, in the, in the curse in the, in the pilot, Lucy going to bring Henry, a chain reaction begins to happen. And I think mm -hmm. you see it in the premiere, it culminating with... Ronnie deciding she's not going to sign over the bar. Mm -hmm. If the curse was acting as it had been acting, she would have signed it over and that, all that yeah, would have Yeah, you know, when mm -hmm. you see Ronnie, is like, the first time you meet her, she's given up. Mm -hmm. You know, she's going to sell the bar and why fight City Hall? And then at the end, you see Regina mm -hmm. deep mm -hmm. down inside her saying, now you know what? I'm going to push back. And mm -hmm. that for us was exactly what had happened. Once Henry came into the scene and she was the catalyst, people are starting to... You know, and it, the it, clock is moving again. It goes to that's what the hyacinth felt like. The yeah, hyacinth yeah, the hyacinth felt like it felt like the clock moving. moving. That was the clock ticking. Exactly, and it goes to you know one of the themes of the show about hope and, and the power of belief and hope, and that even starting from a small place like a, a little girl, you know, in a seemingly impossible situation, it can start to mushroom up into something really powerful. Okay, so it has yet to be revealed also like how long they've been cursed because that was another question I has how long have they been there? Has this was there their first day? Are we about to get a like welcome yeah. to Storybook montage? That there would be cool. More details coming about the curse. Okay, cool. You can say that. I'm into it. At least forty minutes they've been there. Yeah. Okay, good. We'll get it. at least you know like without commercials that yeah. makes sense, right? Okay. Is Anastasia from Wonderland from this version of Cinderella? Can you no, say no? Wonderland the, the spinoff remains canon and mm -hmm. remains all existing in the Once Upon a Time universe, but we're just like our Cinderella in this is coming from this sort of new realm, mm -hmm. when we uh, reveal our, our Anastasia, who she is, what happened to her, and what her story is, it's a... It's, a it's tied to this Cinderella, whereas mm -hmm. the Emma Rigby one would have been tied more to the Jesse Schramm. Okay, thank you. And, you know, again, as we've said, it's, it's a different book, so there is a world one day where two Cinderellas meet. <laughs> I'm into that action. And then also the new Alice... I'm really intrigued by this yes. character as well. Um, in terms of like different versions, she seems like the Jefferson Airplane version of Alice in Wonderland. She is. Um, the, she's the Grateful Dead version for me. Is she? Oh yeah. Okay. Jefferson Airplane <laughs> version. That was exactly. Uh, that was exactly where we were going with her, and I think that um, the audience is gonna. Uh, we the writers are really excited about that character, and there's a lot of fun. And um, episode four, you're gonna see uh, that she has a, a interesting relationship with Rumble. Yeah, that's what I wanted to know yeah. about, too. 
I love that, that the music is actually a thing, because I was like, oh, she's even in the perfect place for a scene. She's got the glowing mushrooms. It's all lit. She yeah. just needs the band. Cool. Um, do you guys still have plans for, an, um, or intentions at least, for an LGBT storyline this year? We do. Um, the character will be revealed in episode four. Okay. Uh, the love story will um, start to take place towards it's... the winter finale, towards the second half of the season. But uh, we're not just planning to. We are. It's happening. It is happening. It is happening. Excellent. And yeah, it, you know, one of the characters involved we've already met. You know, oh, that's okay. a good tease. Yeah, that, thank you. That. Thank you. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> okay, I'll try to edit that out differently. So then that actually answers another question. Are we splitting the season? Uh, well, we don't. We, ABC okay. hasn't announced the schedule for the second half yet, but okay. but we are planning to. But to... but we are going to have stories carry over a little mm -hmm. more. It's not going to be the season three through five model of this is Camelot and this is Hades and mm -hmm. yeah. But we're planning a season along the story. There will be natural points of you know uh, climaxes and cliffhangers depending on mm -hmm. air schedules and all that. But okay. it's more of a season long story. Okay, so kind of like season one when it kind of closed with yeah. Graham's death. There was like that kind of yeah. arc and then it closed. Yes. And then we came back yeah, to season, season exactly day, right? right. Yeah. Okay, so that's what we can expect. Okay, well, that was all good stuff. All right, guys. Well, those, that's pretty much all of my questions for you. So thank you again very much for, thank you, for joining us today. And thank you one more time to Adam Horowitz and Eddie Kitsis for giving us your time and agreeing to be on the podcast. Very grateful. Thank you so much for that and everything else that you've ever done. Um, ever so uh, lots of good stuff there in that interview and i really want to get into some of the juice about this first of all the number one thing that jumped out to me was that we already knew that episode four was going to be more about bell and rumple and so forth but they revealed that episode six is going to be more about ronnie um which of course episode six is called wake up call and that's one that i had mentioned just a few minutes ago so um, i think that that's pretty cool i wonder what that's about um, especially in relation to the fact that there's a whole thing about Graham and like the kind of closing of that whole arc and how it's similar to this and and he was related to Regina and it was like the first six or seven episodes maybe yeah so I just thought that that was pretty interesting um, Ashley did you have any notes about the fact that episode six is going to be more about Ronnie um just that that is a thing like I am really. I'm excited. I'm kind of excited that they confirmed that, but I'm also kind of like, oh, okay, because like, like they said earlier on, um, obviously these characters, the the new characters, are very much more in the forefront. But we are getting a slow kind of teasing out of the characters that we know. Um, so knowing that they have, I guess, big backstories, and th and that the fact that they said, Ronnie. Kind of interesting to see what her whole deal in Hyperion Heights is. Like, how did she get mm -hmm. the bar? Like, why, mm -hmm. you know, how did it fall on hard times? I mean, obviously that has to do with Victoria Belfry coming to the neighborhood and stuff. But also right. just, just wh what brought her up to the point where she was at and more about her. Because I feel like, especially with this episode, she is the least out of, I mean, Dara, I don't want to call them the OG 3 -0. The, the trio, yeah, the trio. The trio? <laughs> Ah, two. Um, the, but you know what I mean, I don't want to call them the OG trio. Well, they're really like the two and a half, aren't they? Yeah. Given what we know now. Anyways, we'll get Which to that is, later. Yeah, put a pin in that one. Um, <laughs> but she hasn't, I mean, she's obviously very ever-present, and but she hasn't gotten 
as much we haven't seen as much from her like her POV as as anybody else so far. So I am mm-hmm. interested to see um a focus on her. Me too. What was the name? What was the title of that episode again? Wake Up Call. No, episode six. Wake Up Call. Well you said episode four was Wake Up Call. No, that's beauty. Oh yeah, you're right. Oh wow, bad Ashley. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm super into that. I'm really interested in Ronnie as a character because I feel like she's she's like the I don't know how to like what to say. It's almost like she's like the sensitive side of Regina, like the like the woman who's like lost and stuff, but instead of becoming hateful, she's just kind of like trying to help everybody live their best life. She's, it's like I it's like, like if Regina it's like if Regina had lost everybody and instead of going evil queen she went Oprah, <laughs> but like with a bar. Very well. No, I mean, and even totally. Oprah likes to drink tequila, so I mean, you know, there's that. But I, but you know what I'm saying though. Like she's she, like she see, the parts of she, Regina that Regina doesn't even now still doesn't show as much. She's mm. the parts of Regina that still is worries about Henry, even though he's a grown man and he's doing his own adventures. Do you know what right. I mean? Yeah. Except they're they're there all the time because obviously Regina has changed so much um, from who she was, who she was in her past, to who she was in her later past, to who she was in Storybrooke, and then <laughs> her later past. <laughs> you know, stable boy versus training with Rumple versus I'm going to do a curse, haha. Versus Madame Mare versus all right, never Nevengers in uh, Neverland versus who she is now, like, you know, seeing Henry all grown up, like she's had Avengers. This... So who, wait, who would Regina be then if she's on the, if they're on the Avengers? You've who never she heard be? them called that before. That was like the whole no. thing when they had their like a team walking down the dock at the end of season two. No, I never heard them called the Avengers, but now that I do know that, I think that's one of the best things ever. And I just want to Photoshop things. It was together. a thing. It was so a thing. I'm sure it was a thing. I'm so sad that I literally missed the boat on that. Oh. She would be Tony Stark. Come on. Would she? Yeah, totally <laughs> into her own skills and abilities and knowing that like she's clearly the person most qualified to be leading everything, so why doesn't everybody else just sit down? Ooh, that would make Emma like Captain America, wouldn't it? Emma's Captain like America that. and then yes. uh Charming was definitely Thor and you know he wasn't Thor, so that totally fits. <laughs> uh, Snow's Hawkeye. Like um, oh, Snow would be Hawkeye. Okay, who would Rumpel be? Would Rumpel be Hulk? Because, Rumpel would like, be Hulk because he's got a lot going skin. on under the surface, and he has the power to lash out, and you won't expect it, and it will rock your world. I and love how you're giving this such a deep read. Continue, please. It's not even... It, it just it fits so well. <laughs> and then, who am I missing? It does fit so well. Who are we, who are we missing? Well, at this point, we'd be missing, like, <laughs> Scarlet Black Witch Widow. and Vision. Black Widow. Hook would be Black Widow. But that kind he of would works, be, though, though, wouldn't he? A, like... pass he? a pass that he's trying to get over. And like, he's like he the everyman, you know? The everyman, yeah, who, like, it's unfortunate what happened to him. He's a tragic, you know, he lost so much in his past. Clearly there's some love life action going on there with her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Her and, and, well... And Captain America, the bromance. Yes, they because, had the yes, bromance totally. in Neverland. It yes, works. no, 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 no. Right, because if Emma is Captain America and Hook is oh, sorry, Black I'm Widow, then Captain they have America then they have in then, Josh Dallas for some reason. No, no, but then they have their whole like romantic subtext thing going on, right? Well, 
that yeah, totally that works is, then. Okay, now you're starting to tread oh, into dude. a whole like Marvel fandom like thing because there was like a whole thing maybe with the so. Hulk and... Well, I am a Marvel fan, so that stands to reason. So I mean, that, you know, that's fine. There, there are waters you're treading into, my friend. Um... <laughs> Perhaps there's a prison located in it. All right, so um, the next thing that they dropped that I really like is that Lucy does not remember in Hyperion Heights. She just believes. Now, I specifically asked about that because I was trying to figure out the timeline in terms of when the first curse was cast and those scenes in the New Realm when, like, the darkness was coming for Henry in the cave and Tiger Lily met Lucy afterwards. Um, You know, all that action going on there. And then, you know, there's... And now we know that the curse came and then took them all there. So I found that really interesting that she doesn't know that she just believes like that. I, that's really cool. I wasn't actually kind of expecting that. I had assumed that Lucy remembered everything and knew the truth and that she was just trying to get Henry to remember like their previous life so that they could, you know, move on and do the thing. Well, and, and- it's, and that's not the case at all. Like, no, she doesn't it, actually remember. She believes, and that puts a totally different spin on it, which I really like because mm-hmm. I'm like that. That means the family reunion is going to be different. Like, and though even the family separation this time, I even took note of that just really quickly. I know you have notes. Uh, just really quickly though, like it's different this time because this time the kid is involved. It's not like she grew up on her own, really, like without her parents. I get the feeling that Lucy grew up with her parents there, which is really interesting and different this time i don't know do you get that i do totally and and i think it is like you said interesting because like with henry obviously he just believed as well he had no proof he just kind of he had they both had belief and they had a book but with lucy she also has this whole other part of her that she can't access that would inform all of those beliefs um and it's just interesting that like they young henry and lucy are are almost the same, but they're very much not because Lucy's also affected by the curse and because she doesn't yes. remember now. Right. Because like you said, I, I totally assumed that she had woken up and she was like, all right, I got to fix this. But so I'm wondering, I mean, cause obviously they're saying, well, Henry, you're a famous author and you know, this book is a thing that, you know, I, she found and she read and everything. And then, you know, that's her favorite author, blah, blah, blah. I'm wondering how much of that is due to the curse. Like, is the Once Upon a Time book something that Henry, as an adult, on his adventure... Well, no, it wouldn't be, because he was in the uh, alternate forest, or what, what did we decide to call it? No, that's what we decided to call it, the alternate forest. Yeah, so many forests. But he, that's where he was, <laughs> he was there for, it seems like, a majority of his growing up. So then I guess he didn't have time to be a fam- famous author and put this book out into print so is it another byproduct of a curse like is this are the books the fail safes of the curse or was it something I that he like was able books... to do as an author um while the darkness was coming and he was like all right this is gonna this is gonna be the the, the key i feel like the books are part of a greater magic like i feel like how can i say this whoever the publisher is that like that's like the greater magic like if aslan were there he'd be talking about the greater magic the publisher is the greater magic um whoever keeps making sure that these books pop up and keep reappearing to you know the author and now in this case his daughter um 
I yeah, I feel like whoever the publisher is, it's part of a bigger magic than than anything that they really have knowledge of. I feel like that's, you know, like I mean, if you want to, the publisher could be like God or whatever. So Santa. The publisher Santa. is Santa Claus. Sure, absolutely. There we go, Santa. So um Santa. I feel like there's just a there's you know, if you want to look into it that way, I feel like it's there. You know, mm. I feel like you can you can read into that pretty easily and have it make sense. And it's also a little comforting as well to maybe think that there's, you know, some big figure out there making sure that the story does end up going okay. Especially, as I mentioned during the interview, during these times. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing that I really loved as well that I just want to make a quick, quick note of oh, is that they confirmed that the LGBT, LGBT character, if I can speak, um, will be, you know, one of them, one of the participants in that love story will be revealed in episode four. Um, and the love story is aimed to begin later towards the winter finale. Um, and then so develop in the second, the, the second as half the season, of the season. Yeah. As the season progresses that I love hearing that. Cause we talked about that very briefly, um, last week. And I'm excited. I, I very much like the fact uh, that what Eddie said, he was like, no, it's it's a thing. It's happening. Right. It's it's it's, it's happening. And I was just like, yes. Yeah, I was pretty much like, thank you for the representation. Shout out mm. to you. Um, it's important, again, especially in these times. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and that's really nice to hear that it's going to be a more, pro- you know, it's, is protracted the right word? Does that mean that it's laid out or does that mean it's tightened up? Help me. I'm failing it. I'm failing it at dictionary school. Help me. Oh, I'm not sure. Oh, God. Okay, hold on. Google to the rescue. Protracted. I can't believe I don't know the meaning of that word. Lasting for a long time. It is the right one. Okay, I'm thinking um, of a protractor from school, and I'm like, I know, me too. And I'm just like, this is not correct. Um, So, yeah, I feel like the fact that it's going to be a more protracted story, and it's not going to just be a one-and-done situation... You know, which unfortunately Ruby Slippers did have to be, but I don't feel like that was, you know, I feel like there's a lot of issues that were involved with that. I'm sure, mm-hmm. you know, availability and budgeting and, and scheduling and and all of the things. And, you know, there's only so many seasons of that show with those characters that they had to do. And frankly, you know, we had a lot of stuff, a lot of ground to cover. They did the best that they could. Um, but this time, the fact that we're getting a more extended story is exciting. I kind of feel like the character is going to be Alice. I feel like she's going to be one of them. I think so, too. And, like, I, I really think maybe I need to get the stick out of my butt about how I feel about Alice. Um, and, uh, you know, <laughs> go with more of an open mind. Speaking of Alice, though, um, <laughs> I, I think that it was interesting they, they mentioned they Wonderland and how Wonderland is still canon, and it's, it's very much its own thing. So that hmm. the Anastasia yeah. that we potentially could see is an Anastasia of this new realm. I, we're not going to get that much of a, a, a crossover thing, because I know we talked about that last week as well. Yes. So I I'm think sad that's that be they. I'm sad that that's not the way that it worked out because we were very excited about the possibility of somehow Emma Rigby's Anastasia being related to the Gabrielle Amoir's Lady Tremaine because they do look similar. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, twas not meant to be. Twas yeah. not. That's all right. I'm still. I mean, I'm in no matter what. It was just a fun theory. I just hate when my theory balloons get popped. But you know, it happens. So can't be right all the time. Right. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> it's pretty much that. Um, so yeah, those are pretty much all the notes that I had about that interview. I want to thank the guys again very much for your time, as always. Um, I know that I do that every time, every time, but it's going to happen for the rest of my life and yours. So I hope you can just be okay with that. So oh, yeah. we're gonna move on. <laughs> we're gonna move on into our episode discussion now and our review of a pirate's life. So we open in Storybrook, and it's years ago. And Hook is teaching Henry how to sword fight aboard the Jolly Roger. I got to admit that I love this scene. <laughs> I did. It was nice to see Henry. Like I wondered who had taught Henry how to fight, and I can appreciate the fact that it was Hook. I can also pretend and fill in the blanks that Charming did it as well. So oh, you know he did. You know he I was know like, he did. especially sword when time. Emma was like, "You fight like your grandfather." I was like, "Yes, he does," because he probably taught him a lot of stuff. Well, you know, I mean, Charming though did like back in season two, they had their wooden sword, so his initial training mm-hmm. was with Grandpa. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Henry feels like he's not going to be good enough after the Scallywag defeats him, but Hook. And he walks away. But Hook warns Emma that Henry is basically about to leave home. And that's what's going on with him. Because she wonders. And it was nice to see Emma again. But... It was weird at the same time. Because I really felt like... Her story ended last season. Yeah, like... I mean, I'm glad we got some closure with yes. the entirety of this episode, but at the same time, right. I feel like very much that her, she got her, and they lived happily ever after. Mm-hmm. So while I can appreciate her coming back, at the same time, it was also like, this isn't her story anymore, and those words hmm. coming out of my mouth, I'm like, oh, Ashley, what are you saying? I, I, I believe you. <laughs> I feel you. I can't believe it, actually. I was, like, surprised that I wasn't more, like, into her, like, appearance. But really, I think it's because I've kind of really settled on Henry as, like, the emotional center of the story. So I've kind of, you know, I'm, I'm, it's, I've, like, I've got new feelings now because I'm invested in a new character. Like, Mm -hmm. like... Emma is pretty much golden. Like, those feelings for Emma are golden. They're, like, in a special box, and they're, you know, put away, and it's time for something new. So it's time, you know. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. Mm-hmm. But it was nice to see her at the same time. Like, I am i don't want to make it sound like I'm, I'm taking away from it either, because it was cool to, like, to see her there and, you know, to have her say goodbye to older Henry and, and kind of get that acknowledgement. There was also the news that she's pregnant, which if you listen to this podcast, I'm sure you have (laughs) an idea of what I think about that. Um, I was just kind of like, whatever, really. Like, I was like, all right. Like, it makes sense, you know. Well, yeah, I had strong feelings about that either way. It was 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 kind of weird. Yeah, I was just kind of like, I mean, that's cool. Um but I think that also goes to the fact that like we're not in her story anymore, so mm, maybe it's just it's 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 more like and the story continues for those two, and it's like okay, there they go, and their story is continuing, and it just I didn't feel I just not hmm? I don't want to say I wasn't I'm not like invested in it because I mean I guess I'm not, but like that sounds so dismissive, and I don't mean to sound that way, but it, it was it mm-hmm. was very much just. Oh, okay. Well, 
there you guys go. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't like, I mean, I was happy that, you know, their happy ending continued. Right. Um, I mean, there is something in the water in Storybrook, like, I mean, both, <laughs> like, with, you know, within their magical waters, but also, like, everybody be having babies, so. Well, I mean, it's those happy endings, man. You can't do, I mean, you can't, I mean, Regina even said, like, you know, Archie's business is down because of all the happy endings, but his wedding officiating is up, so. I love that. I love that little, like, that bit. Yeah, that was cute. You know what's so funny is, like, you know what, in a weird way, and I, God, I feel like I'm being, I really am being dismissive of this, but it, I feel like it's for the betterment of, of, of what we're in now and what's to come. I honestly kind of feel like at this point, like, I appreciated the fact that we revisited Storybrook in the, in, you know, the premiere, and also at the beginning of this episode, too, especially, like, the sword fighting, because that was just a really, really sweet scene, um, you know, it lends itself to how Henry learned how to sword fight, for example. You know, like, there's a lot of things that were working for that scene for me. In a weird way, now, I feel like the callbacks to Storybrooke, I almost don't want them. Because I really am more interested in this new place and the new story and what's going on. Which is weird, because, like, when it was first coming out, I was like, I, I, I don't know how they're going to do this without Storybrooke. And now we're not in Storybrooke anymore. And there's stuff happening with, like, Weaver and Rogers, for example. And everything going on with Ronnie and them at the bar at the end. And everything with Victoria and Weaver, too. Like, I just thought that it was it's all interesting enough to me. And I like the groundwork has been laid more. Um, kind of like we were saying privately. Uh, I guess we can just go ahead and have that conversation now. Oh, that, yeah, no. Yeah, like, I feel like, you know, <clears throat> I've said before on the podcast, I think we talked about this, that the 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 pilot and the thing you love most, the first two episodes of the first season very much feel like a two-parter pilot. Mm -hmm. And when you watch them back-to-back, -back, like, if you were to watch them as one episode, it very much feels like it all, like, that that's one contained episode, and then everything that happens after that is the continuation of the story kind of mm -hmm. like Star Trek Discovery and how the first two episodes of that are like one big pilot and then the third episode is where you kick off the real story of stuff. Like, the real story is still happening with the pilot and the thing you love most, but I just feel like now that we've seen you know, Hyperion Heights and A Pirate's Life, these two pieces, these episodes fit together perfectly as far as like laying the ground, enough groundwork for me to be like, okay, I really can be invested in this now to the point that I actually don't need any of the stuff from Storybrooke anymore. As weird as that sounds. And feel free to disagree with me, which I'm sure you will. <laughs> That's right. You're wrong on the internet. Ugh. No, 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 Ugh. no, no, no. Comment, no. comment, As... comment. Comment section. Blarg. No. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to send you a 17-part tweet to t let you know how wrong you are. Go. Well, I'm going to send you an eight and a half part tweet because I've got 280 now, so I can put two in one. Uh, oh, I don't no. Really, I don't really, but yeah. With great power comes great responsibility. I don't uh, want it. <laughs> no, we, we don't need it. Yeah, sidebar, Twitter, don't do that thing, please. Please. Yeah. Anyways, continue. Yes. So, um, part of me, I mean, I totally understand what you're saying, and, and I think maybe revisiting in the flashbacks is doing to put like a mild disservice in how much they're trying to establish Hyperion Heights um, because 
like I said last week, I really want to see more of the neighborhood. And we are kind of seeing it, but at the same time, I just find it so interesting, like, you know, going from a very, um, like, small village type of environment, because, you know, I am a sucker for a cozy mystery, so give me a small town, a mystery, and an amateur detective trying to solve it, and I am, like, there with bells on. But you really you are have... Jessica Fletcher. Jessica Fletcher's the angel of death. No, I am. I love, I love, I love that <laughs> stuff though. The Miss Marples, the murder she wrote, the Hannah Swenson baking mysteries. Gimme, gimme, gimme. But having the urban setting, um, especially with this episode, I noticed that it was very, um, with the Weaver and Rogers bits, it was very, oh, I won't go as far to say law and order because that's very gritty and, uh, and, and whatever, but it, it had a more procedural feel. Yes, At least I liked it. Did. And, and yeah. I, I was like, well, this is different. You know, it, I wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't a bad different. Um, but going back to what you're saying, though, I mean, I appreciate getting the little, the, the verbal update that kind of lets you imagine. Like, we're not going to show, you know, Granny serving Poke and, like, getting, like, this whole big whatever. Oh, my God, I love that so much because Poke <laughs> is one of my favorite things. But but you know what I mean? It was just like the mention or like the, yeah, you know, the Charmings are still knocking around and being the Charmings. Like, it's like, I like the acknowledgement, but like, had they shown all of that, I feel like it would have been too much. It, it would have been too much. Well, it kind of goes back to the interview where they were saying that they're not abandoning everything that happens, but it's informing mm-hmm. what happened. And part of that mm-hmm. informing of it is is trusting your audience that, you know the story that came before. You're familiar enough with it to where little drips and drops, like Archie officiating weddings, like that was a thing. When when did Rumple and Belle get married? Was that season three? Like yeah, that was a thing oh, that happened God, like a million years ago. Uh, in the woods, it was in the woods. I remember because she had that really cute outfit on. But but regardless, we know that was a thing that happened in the past. So that like aside makes sense. And then we're like, ah yes, good of course, great. I love it without having to be like showing so much of it. Hmm. So that, that, that I think is a perfect example of the past Hmm. informing the present. Mm -hmm. Um, but I agree with you that going back to Storybrooke pre the current story that's happening each episode, that might start to wear a bit thin, uh, a few more episodes in. And uh, also talking about what we, I mean, and I say it every single podcast, and, and here's the horse, it's dead, I'm beating it. But yes, yeah, season two very much is the cock filling in the cracks of season one, or season, sorry, episode two is very much the cock <laughs> filling in the cracks of episode one, where episode one's like, here's a thing that's happening, and here's a thing. And episode two is like, so this is kind of how we're getting to where we're getting, and now we can move forward and to the current adventure. And it was very evident with this episode, kind of finding out, okay, so this is how this combination of people, why this specific combination of people is where it is. And I, I appreciated that a lot, because that was the thing that was also kind of, bo- not bothering me, but I was kind of like, well, why? I mean, obviously we know why behind the scenes, but it was a why these people? Why is are these people pulled here? Well, there's a missing factor to all that too. We don't know how Rumple ended up with all of them. That is true. Uh, and that's I feel like that's probably going to come in episode four. 
Um, yeah. The one about him and Belle. I feel like that's what's going to happen there. I've, I'm not sure what next week's is really going to be about because that's the one with the Garden of Forking Paths. And I, I, I can't for the I, life of me really can't make heads or tails of that title. I mean, I've done my Googles and try to figure it out, but I, I'm not getting really anything that helps me make any kind of sense of it. It looks from the preview for next week like it's going to be very um, maybe more focused on Jacinda mm. um, and, and Cinderella. Um, but I mean, I don't know. It's hard, it's it's hard to say. I feel like we're kind of focusing on a number of different things right now to make sure that we get the full breadth of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't look at that. Yeah, but you know what? You know what I think it is too. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of relating back to what you were talking about just a minute ago. I feel like since this is a new show and they're they're not laying things out in the typical once upon a time fashion. I think normally, uh, well, I won't even go so far as to make that normally argument. I will just say that it feels like. It's just, a, it's being laid out differently. The clues are being laid out differently. The story is being told in a different way. It's a similar story. It's just, everything about it is new. And so mm-hmm. I feel like in trying to, like, trying to use the old Once Upon a Time rules to figure out this chapter would maybe be a little bit wrong. I mean, not to say 100%, but I feel like there's and there's enough differences here where I'm not sure that everything really is as it seems. There's seen there's especially with this episode something that proved that. Uh was, very much so. Was Weaver at the end. If that's the same thing that you were thinking of when No, he... actually. It was more of no? of the flashbacks with Hook. Oh, well that also surprised me. Um but no, I was actually thinking more of Weaver at the end when he kind of didn't about face and said that he would make sure that he got the bracelet back where it was supposed to go because he was looking for somebody with a moral center i thought that that was very interesting (laughs) that he seems like it's 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 totally rumple again you know the good guy bad guy playing both sides of the field is he your hero is he not he's like the snape of the situation he's like kylo ren like i don't know I don't know, dude. But again, this I is can't... this is very much like if Rumple hadn't lost Balefire, but still had that power where it's like, mm. I am not tempted to bend the rules. What, what did we What did we say? We said this in past. Uh, he does bad things with good intentions or good things with bad intentions. He's doing yeah. He's doing bad right. things with good intentions now instead of doing good things with bad intentions. Correct. Right, and so that's the that's the kind of the difference. And I thought that was interesting too that he did the about face because I didn't I did not expect that. Mm-mm. Not at all. I was pleasantly surprised there, and it really makes me wonder even more whether he's awake. I I know, right? Because normally, I mean, even after this, I would have said no, especially after he punched Henry in the face. Yeah, um, oh yeah. But I'm also wondering, like, could that, well no, that couldn't have been the first time that he saw Henry as an adult because Alice said that he has been keeping an eye on him. So, it's it really all goes back to, the, to that scene in the pilot where Seattle Alice, for, you know, for lack of a better term, I don't know who, what to call her. Seattle um, Alice is pretty good. Seattle Alice went to Weaver and told him that Henry was in town. So, 
Oh, unless somebody told him that like you need to watch out for a person but he didn't know why but i think we're gonna that's gonna get teased out more as well i do i mean this is the first time i think rumple has been entirely in the curse persona though he did in in uh in storybrook he did kind of wake up when he heard emma's name right yeah so he but was he was cursed, still cursed but, before that right but i mean we never got to see it so seeing him now be... I can't imagine that he was very different from who he had been before. No, but I'm just saying, like, he... But he also, like, when he woke up, he definitely kept it on the DL. So... True. But with this, I don't think that's the case. Mm. Like, he's not... Oh, I was gonna say he's not doing... Skulking around doing his own thing, but he kind of is. But then yeah, it's not for a greater mysterious magical purpose. It's for a, you know, Detective Weaver purpose or is it mm. Mm. so you had just mentioned you know something that we should probably talk about as well because it was really the main focus that i know that i wanted to talk about which was wish hook and the unexpected news that he has a daughter that he's looking for the the, the entire inclusion Whoa. of him i was like what first off i am so happy they brought wish hook back because wish hook was yeah. so much fun and i remember saying that like oh you know it was good that we got the little bit we got because too much would just be like yeah a mess and it, it, it would it wouldn't it would get very unfunny very quickly but that wasn't the case because i mean he's well he still was there and he got a bit more time but i love how even though he was kind of a you know wish hook's a mess <laughs> he still was like, I haven't had a drop of rum in years. Ha ha! He's still Hook, you know? He's a Hook who went down a very dark path, but he was still Hook, so he was still able to pull some stuff off. But yeah, his whole backstory, I like, I mean, is this like, is it Mila? Like, did he stay with her? Because oh, the dude. curse never got enacted, or like, what? What? I want to know more about that. I mean, yeah, well, not only that, but he apparently knows Lady Tremaine somehow, clearly, and there's some chemistry going on there. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. I was like, meh. Well, P.S., by the way, I just want to say, like, from a dialogue point of view, the double entendre was in full effect because at one point he told (laughs) Lady Tremaine that she was really good at acquiring things. (laughs) I'll just just leave it at that. Um... (laughs) And uh, so I just thought that that was hilarious. Like, watching it back the second time, I was like, oh, my God, that's so funny. Like, if you want to see that, that's there. And it was, you know, I don't know if it was intentional, but I'm sure that it was because it's a very specific thing to say. Um, (laughs) I just thought that that was so great. I was like, Jane or Jerome, whichever one of you wrote that. (laughs) I like, you know, you've got a friend in me. So that's all I've got to say, really. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in this whole mystery. Now, there are a couple things. I made notes about this, right? Like, I made specific notes because I wanted to make sure that we could address this very specifically. So he said, hold on. He said that a vengeful witch trapped his daughter in a prison. Hmm. And he snuck in to play chess with her every day. But he was discovered, and his heart was poisoned, and he could never save her. And he knew that true love was the cure. 
So he roamed the realms seeking it, but it was futile. And he thought that Emma would save him. So then when Emma arrived, he gave Killian, that's what I'm calling a real hook, Killian. He gave Killian his daughter's rook and says that she has his knight. And so that was obviously supposed to be his big goodbye speech, whatever, but Emma came over and saved him with magic anyway. So, having said all of that, there's a lot of information here to unpack. I just want to talk about the symbolism really quick. So, Go for it. the Rook, obviously a tower, like her prison, um, but because it's a black Rook and you know, you're playing opposite sides, that means that she saw him as her white knight. White and I knight. was like, oh, that is, that's adorable. Right. I hate you for getting there first. <laughs> That's why you I jumped in, because I me. knew it. I you, knew. I you knew. keep doing that to me. So, well, if you know, let me have one once in a while, bitch. Oh, um, so, oh. at, <laughs> I'm just kidding. You let me have plenty. Um, so, yeah, that whole thing, like, first of all, I caught the symbolism as well. I thought that was very sweet. But... In addition to that, obviously with chess, there is a whole Wonderland connection there, mm. which, you know, really was my the first thing that I went to. Um, I, I went to Neverland, or, oh my God, well, Neverland. Easy to I, do. I mean, he was the, 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 yeah, whatever. <laughs> I went to Wonderland first because chess, the Queen of Hearts, you know, out. I mean, it makes sense. But then when he had said that a vengeful witch trapped his daughter in a prison, I also thought about... Rapunzel, specifically <gasps> Tangled. Tower. Tower. And I also thought about Tangled because there is a line of dialogue in the song When Will My Life Begin where she says paper mache, a bit of ballet, and chess. Hmm. And chess. See, this is the Pottery Disney connection and ventriloquy I like. candle making, sorry. This is the Disney connection I like. So, okay, continue singing. So, yeah, um, then I'll sketch, make a dress, take a climb, sew a dress, maybe read a book. Okay, anyway, sorry. That's just such a great movie. It is, like I said last week, it is superior to Frozen. You know I've never seen it, right? For fuck's sake. <laughs> I don't know it's what to say. It's not on any of my streaming services, and I'm not willing to pay more money for a streaming service solely just for that. So somebody needs to airmail me a, a DVD. I'll find Clearly. it. I'll watch it. It's on my list. It's one of, it's really, I, if, when you watch it, I, not only is it beautiful, like, visually, and they, they develop new technology to make it look like a moving painting, but it's, it's funny. It's so funny. It is their funniest princess movie that they've ever made, really, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Like, Moana is probably maybe second. Frozen is up there, too, but I don't feel like a lot of the humor from Frozen comes from the princesses themselves. I feel like it comes from Olaf and, and you know, the reindeer and the trolls and, you know, people who are, and, and Anna, she's funny, but with Elsa, there's, you know, limited comedy there. Mm. I feel like a lot of the comedy in Tangled does come from the nature of Rapunzel and Flynn's relationship, along with the outside characters too, like the, the ruffians and things like that. But anyways, that's an aside. Um, so now I kind of feel like it could be Rapunzel too. It could be Punzi. So I don't know. I, I really, I don't know. Um, it could be Alice, for crying out loud. Like, who really knows? But Well, she yeah, she does have a magical aspect. Oh, no, I don't actually think that would fit because of the whole prison thing. And she was all pissed off because of typecasting with going on a one-way trip to Wonderland. So I'm not sure that that would work either. But, but it might also be, no, the, here's the thing. Like, she was, but it also still might be a tie. Uh, 
And I think it's very interesting that what the the newest uh, episode title is the Eighth Witch. I mean, is the witch Zelina? Is the witch like another witch that we haven't seen yet? Like, right. is it Snow White the well, evil? Well, no, it wouldn't be evil queen witch, but whatever. I mean, like, there's not a clear line yet, but obviously this was iterated and reiterated during the episode, um, even in the present day Hyperion Heights when Rogers was telling about finding this missing girl in that. Um, there was a reason why they re they they made it a, a point to reiterate this and to show the giving back of the rook. Like it's important, you know, that this this isn't just a throwaway thing to flesh out the character. Like this is going to come back. So I'm very interested to see interested to see. But yeah, there's not a clear like. Well, clearly that's so and so. So. Hmm. Yeah, it's not. Mm. I googled the Eighth Witch. There's a book called the Eighth Witch. Hmm. Um, but it's from 2012, and it's like a horror book. Yeah, I don't know that that's really not. anything. Probably not. And <clears throat> well, other than that... No, I... no, Google the Seventh Witch, or Seven Witches. Oh, Seven Witches. Oh, I thought that... Oh, I think that that's the... It's a, like an album title, because I did that earlier. Yeah, so it's a band. Well, I mean, just thinking, because like, the Eighth Witch could be uncovered in the story of once upon a time but there could be seven established witches that oh man are we gonna see a coven or a witch's council because i am so on board with that <laughs> is jessica lang gonna guest star is she a supreme i'm um, the supreme <laughs> be okay those jokes are so gonna be happening when episode 10 happens like i am so prepared for the memes jeez <laughs> i'll expect your twitter to be be looking good um so yeah i don't really have any idea about the whole hook mystery but i am very intrigued i want to know also what his past is with lady tremaine mm. um i want to know what he did to her before which i feel like we may be getting a flashback about that at some point maybe um i'm just i'm so curious so there yeah these are things that i do want to know about um but yeah, I think that's probably good on the mystery there because we don't really have enough information to go off of anything for a theory other than that. So let's move on to the next topic. And the next topic is pretty much related to the last one because we're still on Hook. And that's the fact that the Hook that is in Hyperion Heights is not actually the Hook that we know. And oh my god, I did not see that coming at all. I, yeah, like, I kind of like it because I think I think it was very, a very slick way of them to not you know, split up Hook and Emma, you know, after, um, you know, earning their happy endings and everything and, and, and all of that to then like, okay, so then Emma's not, Emma not appearing in this film. Um, and I, I did not expect that to be the one I'm so, it, it's interesting to me, um, what they did there. Yeah, I wasn't expecting it either. And <laughs> okay here's the funny thing right mm -hmm. i don't know for how long on this podcast i have said that i really don't like killian jones <laughs> i love captain hook but i do not like killian jones i really like wish hook a lot <laughs> i liked him before he was de-aged i like him a lot more after he's been de-aged and now honestly i feel like this is a hook i can root for <laughs> I love this hook. I can't believe it. But I do. I'm so invested in this character <laughs> now. 
Oh, all like, the presses. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm like, but where is his daughter? And who was his love? And what happened? And, oh, he's so handsome. Everybody tweet like, Zach when you're listening to this. with just like <laughs> neater neater or something. Do it. See, now I'm just like, okay, I'm into it. Like, I am. I'm into this. This is the guy I can root for. Mm. I don't know what the difference is, oh. really. But there's a difference. Random. I can re- this. I like this guy. I didn't like the other one. I don't know why. I think it might be because he's very much. It's all. It's not to say it's all about him, but he's very much unburdened from anything else. Because I feel like yes, Hook was. He was always either tied. He was tied to Cora. He was. He was tied to Emma. And it's just this Hook is kind of like uh, he has his past, and he's obviously tied to his missing daughter in some way. But at the same time, too, we're seeing Hook just do Hook. Which I'm interested to see. Also, random sidebar, um, the uh, the hand is fake. Remember what we were talking about oh, the last yes, week? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Right, yeah. Which, I'm just like, that is one, like, A-plus, like, top-of-the-line Ferrari of a fake hand, then. For it to, well, it's it, because it, 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 there's no, you know, I don't want to say there's no pretense for it. Well, yeah, there's no pretense for it to, like be prosthetic like it is probably the most well i i I don't believe that somebody on a cop salary in a corrupt precinct would be able to get one of those really rad like fully articulate 3d printed hands so that's why i was like well it's it's fake but or it's not fake but it is so i was like okay well at least you know they're going there i'm into it i love this character (laughs) I'm okay with it. Well, now that we know, though, too, I mean, that can, I kind of want to rewatch the pilot and just think about mm. that. Right? And thinking about now, like, him looking at Emma, where at first I was like, oh, God. And now I'm like, oh. Like, there's a totally different reason. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> I will. I'll allow it. That's fine. So... Yeah. I like it. I like him. I can root for him. Mm-hmm. So, yay. I'm on board. I'm on board. I'm on the hot tamale train, as What's-Her-Face would say on So You Think You Can Dance. All right. Ugh. So. Oh, my God. Mary Murphy. Oh, my God. She's uh, she's <laughs> uh, on the hot tamale train. Woo! <laughs> Everyone tweeted Zach hot tamale train. All right, so um, let me see. That's what I have for that part. Ashley, did you have anything, um, any notes that you wanted to talk about while I'm scrolling through here looking for our next subject, perhaps? Well, I think I've, I've interjected it a, a lot, but I, I will say, I mean, I guess maybe jumping forward a bit, I'm, I like how they explained why it was these, this specific trio that we see uniting or reuniting, even though they don't know it, at the end of the episode, like, uh, their explanation of it. Though it kind of makes me sad, because it, it kind of implies that Regina didn't have a lot going on for her in Storybrooke. It was like, come on an adventure, because, you you, you know, you don't got much going on at home. Which is kind of like, uh, sad, but also, like, makes sense. And she was adventuring well, yeah. with her son, so, I mean, like, acceptable. Her whole life was Henry, like, what is she doing without him? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, really, like, I hate to say that, but... No, I know, and, like, that's exactly, like, my same thoughts, but it's also true, so... I'm just, I'm interested now... So now we know that those three were together, 
and whatever the hell Rumple has going on, that's going to be ugh, like explained. But like, so now we know why they were cursed together. But then that also, if we're going to be seeing other characters, like it's when Zelina comes back. So how does she kind of go into it? Hold the phone. So that thing about I just said about Regina, what did she have going on, right? Mm-hmm. At first, it sounded horrible. I was thinking about it. But I was like, oh, my God, what a horrible thing to say. But now I'm thinking about it more. And I feel like that's actually something that that parents go through, right? Empty like, nest syndrome. Once you're, once you're, yeah, once your kid was out of the house, then what does your life become? Because your whole life, to a certain extent, has been about them for so long. I really hope that that's an art that they can really, you know, explore even on a surface level well, with her. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I don't expect it to get, like, super deep like you know tgit levels or anything but you know i think i feel like a surface level ex- exploration of that kind of a theme could be really interesting told through the eyes of that character mm-hmm. who's already been through so much well i mean this is um, her first she she pretty much had like a quiet life in starbuck now that like mm-hmm. the shenanigans have died down <laughs> right well she even said that like you know the charmings are happy and and emma and hook are are you know pregnant and happy together and everybody is happy and she's just there mayoring so you know i mean really it makes sense and now she's kind of like well you know (laughs) when will my life begin which you don't know that song because you've never seen the movie but Mm -hmm. that you know that's from tangled so i feel like that's something that you know could relay in a little bit i feel like i really hope that's something they you know do get to explore with her um and also in terms of like Zelina and where Zelina fits in on this, I kind of wonder if it ends up being a thing where Regina has been gone for so long that she's like, okay, where the hell, where the hell is my sister? Sister. Like she's like my sister. I'm going to find my sister. And then she's going to like, so then she comes to Hyperion Heights. Like maybe I don't like, maybe she's not cursed. Maybe she is cursed, but I feel like it would be a thing where, because I really don't get the feeling that she was there cursed with all of them. Mm. Maybe she was. Maybe Regina called her in for backup or whatever. But I feel like if that was the case, then they would have established that already and she would still be a regular. Oh, my so, God, though. Can you imagine her, like, uncursed, like, going into Hyperion Heights and be like, what the hell is this? Right, where there is no magic, maybe. Mm. Is there magic there? Oh, I should have freaking have, asked them She doesn't that. have her uh, magic. Anyway, Zelina doesn't remember. Oh, that's true. She doesn't have her magic anymore. Oh, shit. So there's not even anything she could do. Right. Mm. That would be interesting to know, though. I mean, I feel like in a way that there is, if the uh, uh, hydrangeas, right? I want to say hyacinth, but I know that's not right. Well, that's the flower. Right. Because they bloomed very magically, there has to be some magic there. There's a well granting wishes. I guess. I guess. Yeah, that's true. That's true. There does have to be some kind of... Ma- oh, how fun. I wanna, okay. I'm want. i waiting for a scene where we see Victoria Belfry like, pull like a, a Ferguson from Wentworth and she has her secret cabinet and the wands in there. Like, I want that. <laughs> I just came across my note. We already talked about it, but it just said, Rogers is in Hook. He's Hook. All right. And honestly, um, though, the credit, like, there has to be a, you have to, I do not care who you are, and I will fight you, you have to give Colin credit for playing, like, five different versions of Hook in one episode. 
Because he played, he played OG, original hook, original recipe. He played fat hook, extra crispy. He played diet hook in the uh, Hyperion Heights, which is actually extra crispy diet. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he played all these different versions, especially, obviously, he's not playing, like, against himself in real time, but... It's still well, no, but even when he when he when he like walked it back into the cabin where like Regina and Henry were when he walked up to Henry when he was sitting at the fire or whatever like the way that he moved his jaw mm. was exactly like Fat Hook would. Mm-hmm. So I love how we're just calling him Fat Hook, <laughs> but that is what Fat Hook would do. So I love the fa- I mean, Colin's an actor; he's a pro. I would imagine he could do this, but he's really selling it really well because you can tell like. He's he's old Hook and yet young Hook and part Killian. He's like all three characters mixed in. Mm-hmm. And I just love it. It's endeared Hook to me and I can't fucking believe it, but it's true. Like, it's endeared that character to me. So I'm excited to see what happens with that. I'm really into the mystery of who the daughter is. I really want to know everything about it. I want to know, like, who's the mom? What's up with him in Tremaine? Like... What's his life been like since the curse didn't get cast? Was he in Neverland? Then what happened? Like, did he ever meet Korra? No? Okay, then what? Like, mm-hmm. is there a Korra? Was there a Korra? Did this Korra live? Is there a Regit? Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's so many, so many questions. Although I think they said that we're only going to see the, like, prime version of Regina and Rumpel. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to go back and see if they ever said that about Hook. But, you know what's so funny, too, is I can kind of see where if Jen Morrison had agreed to stay on the show where they could have written her into this more. Cause I'm almost like, remember when we were talking last week about how Ronnie had qualities that were very Emma, like the necklace and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I feel like if Jen Morrison had agreed to stay on the show one more year, that Emma would have ended up being in the bar. I could see that. You know what I mean? And I don't know who Regina would have ended up being, but you know, we'll find out. I'm really excited to see, if, you know, Belle is cursed and living somewhere in Hyperion Heights and, and if Zelina is cursed or not and I want to know who else is coming back and... Or who else that's new that's coming in. Because that's... Right, well, that it, is the thing I feel like with this... That's that's the thing that's, it's, that's standing out about this new season is that normally we start getting introduced to new characters like you have your, you know, once an episode character not really doing that at all. Like we, we have all of our, our new and our old introduced in the first episode. And then we stuck with that really. I mean, like, I don't know if fat hook really counts, mm. but <laughs> I will see if the trend continues though, in episode three, where we aren't branching out to have like a character come in to help tell a story in a flashback and then go on to do whatever. Um, if if that still is the the uh, case, I'm really interested to see. Like we only, it kind of reminds me of like in video games when you have a like an NPC that like they're there to do something and then they go off screen, they just disappear. Or like what you used to think about your teachers when when they're done teaching, they like they go into the closet because they're just teachers, and not people. I want to see like <laughs> no, oh, but you know what I mean though. I want to see like Rogers at home and Ronnie at home. Like where do they live? Like what are what are they outside of? bartender, cop, detective for, for Weaver. Like, who are they outside of these roles? I want 
I want Ronnie to live like either above or behind the bar. I want it to be like a granny situation. Um, I feel like she kind of has to, though. I mean, like, that's kind of, mm-hmm. you know, par for the course. But, like, exactly. you know, we don't ever see her out from behind the bar, literally, though. Like, I want to see her out in the neighborhood. Episode six, friend. Mm, I know. Episode six. But that's, that's four episodes away. I can't do math. Still, that's not that long, really. Mm. It's November. It's this time in November. It won't be that bad. Mm. So the thing that we need to talk about as well is the whole um, Hyperion Heights thing with the ballet recital and Jacinda versus Victoria Belfry versus Weaver and Rogers versus Henry versus Ronnie versus Ivy. So let's get on into that. I really, number one, like, I really don't like Victoria Belfry. I really don't like Ivy. Like, I, I just, I really don't like these characters. I mean, I love that. Like, I love to hate them kind of thing. Oh, okay. I was going to say, because I actually, like, they're, they're kind of that the corporate witches. That's what they are. Corporate yes. witches. And I'm, I'm yes. kind of digging that. I really want Ivy to like have show more colors. And I thought that she was going to show that in the flashback. But she was like, nah, dagger. I feel like that could be coming with her. Mm. I feel like it is. I feel like that's... I don't know. Hopefully her present day, like, her present day is like completely 100% on the bitch side. Yes. Very much so. She's like, like we said last week, she's like Selma, Selma Blair in in the devil, or many Legally Blonde and Cruel Intentions kind of mix. Um, yes. A little bit. So, yeah, I mean, I'm into it. But yeah, the whole thing with the, with the recital and Weaver and Rogers, like, breaking into Henry's apartment and, you know, like, seeing the, the like, the book with the doll and, you know surmising that there's a daughter there and then he took the swan keychain and then planted it on him at the whole like recital thing i was like okay like and then that's when weaver did the whole turnaround which we talked about earlier so yeah like and at 550 a ticket for a damn dance recital like you really are catering to the rich ones aren't you i was so mad about that i'm like this is a children this charity my behind like this is a children's event that that i think was like that is evil like i that actually made me genuinely mad like are you kidding me? Same. Though I think it was it was kind of nifty how Henry... Well, nifty in one way, but also I was kind of like, wow, Henry, you were trying really hard to apologize to her, maybe back off a bit, in another way to, like, do the whole, like, catering thing. The app was kind of funny, though, because I've definitely looked into some of those apps. I'm like, this is crap. <laughs> the app was funny, and also I really like Sabine, who is Tiana's curse persona. Mm. I really like this character a lot. She keeps showing up. She only has a couple of lines per episode so far, right? Because mm-hmm. we're still getting introduced to her. But I already, there's something about her already that I really like. And I can understand why they made Makia Cox a regular instead of a guest star. Because there's something about this woman that it keeps drawing me in. She's got that thing. Um, I love the I love the way that she delivers her lines. I love the way that she gives Henry looks and just, I mean, I'm loving everything about Makia Cox and how she is portraying her curse persona. I'm really excited next week to see what she does with, you know, Tiana on the fairy tale side, because we are getting that where she finally, you know, where she meets Cinderella. We're getting that whole backstory. So I'm really interested in that too. Um, so yeah, just my quick thought there on, on Tiana. Yeah, I just, I like, I like the idea of princess friends. <laughs> like, 
I like the idea of Princess Friends too. Like it feels very that feels very season one where it was kind of like yes oh yeah you know like we're kind of like when Cinderella and Snow White were friends it's like oh yeah we're weird you know neighboring castles or whatever. Uh, right when they were in, when they were at the at Cinderella's wedding. Mm-hmm. And then later, and then later when they went to the bar and got drinks. Yes, no, like exactly those stuff like and that. And now like, they're doing that now. They're going to Ronnie's and they're getting stuff. Like, yes, I'm yeah. so glad that Ronnie's actually had people in, in this week. I looked, I was like, there are people. See? Yes. Yeah. See. <laughs> okay. We yeah, said yeah. last week that was probably a thing. So. Um. The recital. I was. First of all, Victoria Belfry, like, giving no Fs about, like, getting stuff done. But, like, I part of me really wonders if she's aware, though, just because, like, she's so... I don't know if it's just her way of, like, getting, like, skullduggery is number one to get stuff done. But she's very adamant about getting Henry Mills out of her town, which, you know, where have we heard that before? Mm-hmm. Um, but no, she... Get in this car... Now you get in your car and you leave this town. Or I swear I will destroy you if it's the last thing I do. Oh, God. And, you know, if honestly, if Regina had never said that to Emma, Emma probably would have left. It's the we- it's- She really would have. Like, it wouldn't really have been a thing. So I feel like the same thing with, though, with, with Henry. If Victoria Belfry hadn't, like, really tried to, like, juice a bunch of connections to get him out, um... Rogers wouldn't have, you know, like, they wouldn't have had their, like, triumvirate at the end where they're like, all right, there's something going on here and we need to sort it out. And it, oh, it sounds like a book. I was like, I see what you're doing. Henry's, you know, second book idea slash, like, the new chapter of once, you know, like, ah, uh, I can dig it. All right. <laughs> okay, you got it. Yeah. Well, you know, what was funny was because I actually wrote it, like, I wrote it down. And, uh, well, first of all, when they're in the bar and Ronnie walked over, she's wearing a black jacket that had red accents on it. And I was immediately like, well, that's just like Regina's black cape with the red feathers on it from the pilot. Oh. Like, that was the first thing I thought of. So I was like, I don't know if that was intentional, but yeah. And then Rod- Henry did say there's enough for a book there. And then Roger says, possibly two. Okay. Uh, now, I'm glad yeah, that I know. You- <laughs> I'm glad that you went where you did with the whole inside joke thing, because when I heard that, my first thought was, okay, they're joking that there's enough for one season here, possibly two, mm-hmm. if, they, if, they, if they get renewed. <laughs> That's insane. I, I heard that, and I was like, okay, you smarties. <laughs> I love them so much. I love that whole team. Probably weird to say that, but I do. I would give them all Valentines if we were in elementary school, and then we would go outside, and we would all play, like, wall ball together or something, or it would be tetherball, perhaps. And then it would be like a thing, and it would be like Muppet. It would be like Muppet Babies, only it would be like Writer Babies. Yeah, it would be like Writer Babies instead of Muppet Babies, and it would be like (laughs) a thing. I'm seeing it. All right. Um. Yeah, I love the whole like the whole dramatic music swelling at the end too, as they like drink to their new partnership. It was just so like. Yeah, just the dramatic music swelled, and I was like, oh, I'm into it. Um, did you see the promo for next week? I, I did not know. Yeah, I don't I don't even normally don't get to. So Cinderella and Tiana do get to meet in the Enchanted Forest. Um, Victoria wants to dig up the garden. She's got like a crew there to dig it up. She's ready. They actually Sounds do like so. Sounds like somebody's castle. Mm-hmm. Mm, doesn't it though? And so then there's like they dig up like the garden where like there's a bunch more hyacinths now, mm. and there's a hole there. <gasps> 
It appears that Hyperion Heights has caves, and Lucy jumps into the hole as Henry is like, Lucy! Drama. The drama. And I wonder what's under there, because last time there mm. were children jumping into holes, there was Snow White's coffin was in there. And a dragon. And a dragon. So, I mean, <laughs> you never know. I think that's pretty much it. I can't think of anything else that there is to discuss. There weren't any other costuming. Actually, there is one thing about the costumes that I will say. Just really quickly. I have always loved Eduardo Castro's costumes. I really have. They are brilliant. I kind of like the fact that they're... Like, as far on, like, the fairy tale side of things, and even kind of, like, on the, on the Hyperion Heights side of things, too, that there's less of a focus on the costuming. Like, it's there, and it's still adding something very special, and it raise, it elevates the show, but it's not as much of a centerpiece for the characters anymore. Like, I noticed that with uh, Lady Tremaine's uh, cloak, I guess it was. Yeah. It was the shoulders mm-hmm. and, like, the quilting and everything. Like, I remember thinking, mm-hmm. like, oh, that looks neat, but, like, I wasn't... That didn't distract me, I feel like. Not to say that his, his costumes are distracting, but, like, because we spend so little time there, I feel like the more natural costuming is taking the forefront. And, like, you really kind of, like, Rumpel being in his Canadian tuxedo, which cracks me up every time I see him in that jean jacket, because that's oh so my casual God. when he's been wearing suits all the time. But that really speaks to a character. That's the thing, is that he he's a character that now that gets his hands dirty like, very much in the forefront as opposed to manipulating chess pieces around a board and, and, and plotting in, in the background. Well, he's a blue-collar guy, and he literally wears a blue collar. Right. <laughs> and then so. they still kind of stuck. I mean, Hook not wearing black. I'm, I'm trying to picture him, like, I wearing like that. another color. And Dude, it was, it was so jarring. weird to see him in blue jeans. Like I know, when they panned up, I was like, that's new. Yeah, he was wearing blue jeans and, like, a blue shirt, and I was like, this is nice. Like, Hook's got a nicer wardrobe. Like, Emma's had an effect on him. I didn't mm-hmm. like the fact that Emma was wearing blue, too, though. I was like, Emma, girl, your color is red. We've been over this. Like, she was wearing it later on when she was in the forest. She had a red jacket on. And even that one, though. You know what was funny, though? Like, on the material side of things, mm-hmm. it's a softer material now, her jacket. It wasn't the finale, too. Oh, it's the same one. Oh, it's less armor and more garment now, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just softer, like she, like she is. So, on the fabric side of things, on the production side of things, I like mm-hmm. it. Um, so, yeah, and I also really enjoyed the new musical themes as well. Looking forward to seeing where Mark Isham takes us musically with the show mm-hmm. and where the writing is going to take us. Really excited to see the story about Ronnie in episode six and what happens with Alice going forward in her relationship with Rumpel that will be revealed in episode four, as I said. And then again, the LGBT storyline that is yes. definitely going to be a thing. Yes. Thank God. Thank you, writers. Thank you, Adam and Eddie. Thank you, ABC, for taking the chance and doing something like that on your show about fairy tales with all of your Disney canon. It's important that we have representation. It's appreciated by yours truly and other people. Um, so yeah, I think that's going to be it. 
Thank you guys very much for enjoying this week's episode of the podcast. You can always catch any old episodes of our podcast in our archive on Blog Talk Radio if you are going back through any rewatches on Netflix or Hulu or things like that and you want to hear what our thoughts were on that episode, go ahead and check it out in the archive. We are also looking to expand to other platforms here now that we are recording our show in advance, so you may see some news as far as that goes with us expanding our platform and our availability. Keep an eye out there. Also, we will try to incorporate more of a news bulletin going forward, but we just didn't have time again this week because we had an interview to discuss. We but we'll be back. News. Indeed, we had our own news. So we'll be back next week with our review of The Garden of Fourteen Paths. I can't and... take that title seriously. I, I watch a lot of The Good Place now, so now that title has a whole different meaning. <laughs> we can talk about that another time. For now, I am Henry's Ice Pack. And I am. What is it? Messing with Victoria Belfry is my hobby. Put that on a t-shirt. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Yo-ho, yo-ho, a pirate's life for me. We pillage and plunder, we rifle and loot. Drink up, me heart is yo-ho. We kidnap and ravage, we don't give a hoot. Drink up, me art is your home.